Isaiah chapter 40, starting at verse 1. Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and proclaim to her that her hard service has been completed, that her sin has been paid for, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. A voice of one calling in the desert prepare the way for the Lord, make straight in the wilderness a highway for our God. Every valley shall be raised up, every mountain and hill made low. The rough ground shall become level, the rugged places a plain. And the glory of the Lord will be revealed, and all mankind together will see it. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. A voice says, Cry out. And I said, What shall I cry? All men are like grass, and all their glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fall, because the breath of the Lord blows on them. Surely the people are grass. The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of our God stands forever. You who bring good tidings to Zion, go up on a high mountain. You who bring good tidings to Jerusalem, lift up your voice with a shout. Lift it up, do not be afraid. Says to, say to the towns of Judah, Here is your God. See, the sovereign Lord comes with power, and his arms rules for him. See, his rewards is with him, and his recompense accompanies him. He tends his flock like a shepherd, he gathers the lambs in his arms, and carries them close to his heart, he gently leads those that have young. This is the word of God. Well, do keep that page of the Bible open. Uh, we're going to be looking at it uh, together. Uh, we're taking a little a short break from the book of 1 John that we've been working through over the last few weeks to have a look at the book uh, of Isaiah, chapter 40, and then a couple of chapters on from that, a couple over the next couple of weeks, and then some more later on. So we're here at the beginning of Isaiah 40. Let's open our heads and pray then as we start. Loving Heavenly Father, we come to you with different burdens in different situations, and yet we all long to have you still our souls, to quieten them, to comfort them. And so we pray that your Spirit would be our teacher, as you teach us to hope in you. And we pray it for Jesus' sake. Amen. Well, we live in a world full of struggle. Um, just a, a few weeks ago, my eldest daughter started school, and um, she got into our fifth choice school. Uh, that, that on, in, in and of itself presented a number of uh, uncertainties, but then a, a week before she was due to start, uh, the headmistress resigned, uh, with no notice, just resigned. And uh, we were thrown into a bit of a state of panic, and we were thinking, help, what do we do? And I guess the kind of question we were asking is, where does help come from in the middle of the everyday mess and struggle of our lives? You turn on the news, don't you, and you think, April Jones, you see April Jones. Well, you hear about the Hillsborough disaster and, and all the scandals and the lies and the cover-up that seems to have gone on there amongst the police and amongst the football association. You think, well, our world seems to be in a mess. Where will help come from in the midst of the mess and struggle of our everyday lives? And then there's our personal situations. I speak to people every week who feel trapped in the job that they're in. And there are bills to pay and there are mouths to to feed, and, and they get up with a sense of dread about having to go into the office uh, each day. 
And then there are those without jobs who would long to have the dread that some have about going into the office every day. And then there are friends who I know struggling to conceive. And the, the pain and the burdens are just going up and up and up. And there are those with relationships that just feel hard. People who are single and want to be married. People who are married who frankly wish that they weren't. And they're asking where will help come from in the midst of the mess and struggle of our everyday lives. And this is what God's people, the Israelites, would have been asking as they found themselves in exile in the 6th century BC. They, they had been exiled from Jerusalem. They couldn't go back. And there they are, thinking, where on earth is help going to come from as we face this terrible situation? And God speaks to them through the prophet Isaiah uh, in chapter 40 and onwards. The first half of the book, in fact, God has been uh, warning people about this exile to come. But from chapter 40 onwards, the message changes. He looks forward to when they will be in exile, and he proclaims a message of comfort. And there are three things that we're going to see as we look at these first few verses together. I've put them on the handout that hopefully you've got on the back of your programs, the Lord pardons our sin, the Lord promises to deliver, and the Lord protects us for Zion. We're going to look at each of those in turn. Let's dive right in then with the first one. The Lord pardons our sin. Have a look down at verse 1 of chapter 40. Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and proclaim to her that her hard surface has been completed. Do you see what it's saying there in verse 2? Her hard surface, the time of struggle, is going to be over. And how is it going to happen? Next line, her sin has been paid for. She has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. Sin paid for. How much? Double for all her sins, far more than was needed. The mess and struggle, therefore, of uh, our everyday lives is because of sin. The nation of Israel, they, they, they'd sinned, and they found themselves in exile because of their sin, because they hadn't listened to God. And that's the same problem that we face today. Now, it works slightly different for us as New Testament Christians. Let me give you a practical example to illustrate that. Uh, a few nights ago, at one o'clock in the morning, uh, our middle daughter, uh, Esther, came in and uh, said that she couldn't sleep. And uh, I normally take the night shift as far as um, uh, settling the children is concerned, so I, I tried to encourage her to go back to bed, tried to read with her, tried to um, uh, pray with her, shouted at her. Nothing, <laughs> nothing was working. And by the time three o'clock comes, we're, we're basically at a standoff, three in the morning. Now, two things were going on there. Firstly, um, because, of the, because of the fact that as a, na as a world, we've all turned our backs on God. Genesis 3, Romans 8 would say that the whole world, the fabric of creation has been affected by sin so that she finds that at one o'clock in the morning, for no reason that she can figure out, she's up. Just in the same way that we face cancer and earthquakes and so on, not because of our own individual sins, but because the fabric of the earth has been affected by us all turning our backs on God. 
And yet by 2am, it's not a matter of, of that, it's her personal rebellion that's turned this into a game that has made the situation all the more worse. Do you see those two ways in which sin is working there? And yet we're seeing right here in Isaiah chapter 40 that God is predicting a time when comfort is coming and it will come when sin is dealt with. And how will this happen? Well, God is going to show up and deal with it himself. Have a look at verse 3 over the page. A voice of one calling in the desert, prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight in the wilderness a highway for our God. The picture is of uh, the wilderness there and God coming into the wilderness to sort out the mess. It's, it's a picture, if you like, of the red carpet being rolled out for the King of Kings and the, the Lord of Lords to come and sort out this problem of sin. And in verse 4, nothing is going to stop him. Do you see? Every valley shall be raised up, every mountain and hill made low. The rough ground shall become level and the rugged places a plain. I don't know if you've ever seen the, the Rambo films. Uh, some of you maybe, I don't know, there's a number of ages here, so I, I don't want to presume anything. But those Rambo films, I've only seen a, a small clip of one of the Rambo films, but you know how it is. Sylvester Stallone, combat trousers on, not much on top, rippling arms and muscles. And uh, in the scene that I saw, you know, across the hill, across the way, there's this whole army of tanks and men coming across. But the music and everything about the scene says, no match for Rambo. He's going to take them all out. And that's the picture here. Nothing is going to stop the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, from coming and sorting this problem out. And in verse 5, the glory of the Lord will be revealed and all mankind will see it together. Like the Queen's Jubilee, I guess. You know, that final bit where she appears on the balcony and everyone in the whole nation sees her. Everyone will see what the Lord is doing when he comes to sort out sin. And of course, in its original context, this is a picture of how God would rescue his people from Babylon, return them back to Jerusalem. But all of this is ultimately a picture of the unstoppable mission of Jesus Christ. In fact, years later, John the Baptist would take the very words of verse 3 and put them onto his own lips and say, I am the person who is coming to announce uh, Jesus, the one who will sort out the problem of sin. It's Jesus Christ who came into the wilderness, the, the, the mess and struggle of our lives. It was Jesus Christ who was hung on a cross publicly for all to see and who swapped our sin and our debt for his perfection and blessing. So that verse 2 could be true, that sin could be paid for. I uh, read an Agony Aunt column recently. I don't normally read Agony Aunt columns, but this one caught my eye. The title said, he said it's because of my debt. And, and this column gave the story of a, a girlfriend and the girlfriend uh, had a boyfriend and, and wanted to get married, but the boyfriend didn't seem to be interested. And one day they went to a, a wedding, 
and she sat very patiently through the whole thing, and they came back in the evening, and she just couldn't contain herself anymore. She just began to spurt out all of her plans for the wedding that she planned from before it started right through to the end of the honeymoon. And as she got to the end of this description, the uh, boyfriend leaned over and said, can I say something to you? Will you promise that you won't get upset? And the girlfriend, the girlfriend, of course, said yes. I mean, bad move, really, isn't it? Never say that. But she said, I, I promise. And, and he said to her, I want to commit to you. I want to spend the rest of my life with you. But I don't want your debt. It turned out that this girlfriend was saddled with thousands of pounds worth of debt. And, and this man was saying, look, I, I want to commit to you, but I don't want your rubbish. I don't want the debts that you've built out. Sort that out first, and, and then maybe we can have a future together. And of course, Jesus Christ is completely different. He says, I'll commit to you, and I'll sort out your debt. I'll take it on myself, and I'll pay it off. And more than that, I will um, leave your account, as it were, seriously in credit. Like that time when you, you go to the... The, the cash machine, and I like to call it the golden hour, when there's once a month, if I go just the right time to the cash machine, put in the numbers, and actually it looks like I've got some money in the account. It looks like I've got... And it's like that moment. He's going to leave us spiritually, seriously in credit. He's going to sort out the problem. He's going to commit to us, and he's going to leave us seriously in credit. But but it's not automatic. This isn't comfort for us if we're not Christians. We're not yet believing in the Lord Jesus Christ. It says in verse 3, a voice of one calling in the desert, and there's the key word, prepare. Prepare. And when John takes these words on his lips, he says that preparation looks like repentance. If we want to enjoy what God is doing in repairing the cracks of our broken lives and repairing the broken world that we live in, we need to respond by turning back to him. If you like, by following him along the red carpet and saying we want him, Jesus Christ, to be our king. What does that look like? When we turn on the, the news and we see public inquiries being started up. We see English baccalaureates being proposed. We see legal charges against French newspapers uh, being insisted upon. Helpful as all of those things may be, it's following Christ who pardons sin, which is the foundation of uh, our world, our struggles being put right. When we find ourselves carrying the, the weight and struggle of this life. When we wake up feeling, what am I going to do? Where is help going to come from? It starts with following Jesus Christ who pardons sin. When we feel burdened by the guilt of things that we've done, help starts with following the Lord Jesus Christ who pardons sin. That's the first thing. I've taken the longest on that. Please don't panic. Lord, pardon sin. But the second thing is, well, we say that sounds great, but how do we know? And the end of verse 5 gives us the answer. Do you see it there? Let me read from verse 5 again. The glory of the Lord will be revealed, 
and all mankind together will see it. For, here it comes, the mouth of the Lord has spoken. In other words, the Lord has made a promise, and when he makes promises, he delivers on them, just like we heard earlier from Emily. The Lord promises to deliver. And that's a really good thing, because we always make promises that we can't keep. In fact, you're very lucky that I'm here, because uh, just a few days ago, uh, Rachel, my wife, said to me, have you checked the, the car's MOT? And I said, yeah, yeah, I've checked the car's MOT. She said, are you sure? And I went out to work, and I came back a little later, and she put the MOT certificate on the, the dinner table for me to see. It was six weeks out of date. And uh, that would have been okay if it wasn't for the fact that a year ago she'd said exactly the same thing, and there, again, out-of-date MOT certificates, and it took some time to get the, the car back on the road. We break our promises all the time, don't we? And, and you know what? Even our best efforts, our best efforts are temporary because the truth is we're like grass. We come and we go. Have a look at verse 6. A voice cries out, a voice says, cry out, that's God. And I say, Isaiah, what shall I cry? God says, all men are like grass, and all their glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the breath of the Lord blows on them. Surely the people are like grass. You see, we come and we go. Michael Gove has plans and ideas to help us, but he may not be in government long enough to implement them. Andrew Lansley's plans have been uh, quietly sidelined uh, to uh, the you know, we don't know if they're even going to happen now. But, but the point is that even our best efforts are temporary. We're like flowers, we die. I run a, a service in an old people's home once a week. About 20 people, I guess, come along to this small service. And one of the sobering things is that quite often, as we sit in this service, there'll be someone around the table who isn't there, who was there before. And... Um, and someone will notice that there's a, there's a gap around the table. Oh, look, there's some, someone missing. And uh, the most sobering thing is that they, the way they struggle to remember the name of the person who used to be sat there. They've been meeting with them every week at this meeting. They see them every day. And yet they've only been gone a few hours. And what was their name? Can't even remember. We're like grass. We come and we go. But God has a plan for human history that every millennium just brings closer and closer and it will never fail. You see, verse 8, the grass withers, the flowers fall, but the word of our God stands forever. See, if you want help in the mess and struggle of our life, help is found in Jesus Christ. And when God says he'll do something, he delivers. He doesn't break his promises. It's a bit like how Sebco this year seemed to have the uncanny ability to deliver on time and on budget. I, I, I don't know what these Olympic uh, committee uh, meetings were like, but I like to think of them. Uh, Sebco comes in and says, look, the aquatic centre has got to be 20% smaller or uh, more sustainable or the, the main uh, stadium has got to be moved 50 metres to the right or whatever it is. And people might look on in amusement, but they think, well, we can trust Seb's word. 
because he's got the master plan in his head and he's got the resources available to make it happen. And so he'll deliver it on time and on budget. And when it comes to God's word, you see, he's reliable. He's got the master plan. He's got the resources available to deliver what he says on time and on budget. Why? Because he promises to pay all of the costs himself as his son dies on the cross for us. The Lord promises to deliver. That's the second thing. Here's the third. What exactly will he deliver? Well, the Lord protects us for Zion. That's the third thing. The Lord protects us for Zion. Now, Zion, that word, means the place where God dwells intensely with his people. And so, um, in its initial context, that would have meant Jerusalem, the place where the people had come from. But for us, the place where God will dwell intensely with his people will be heaven. That's the, the picture that he's looking forward to. And it's as if the view changes as we get to verse 9, where, where we've been on the road with the Lord. Suddenly we're, we're in Zion looking at the Lord coming. Have a look as we read from verse 9. You who bring good tidings to Zion, go up on a high mountain. Do you see where we are now? You bring good tidings, you who bring good tidings to Jerusalem, lift up your voice with a shout. Lift it up, don't be afraid. Say to the towns of Judah, here is your God. See, the sovereign Lord comes with power, and his arm rules for him. It's a picture, if you like, of, of someone standing up on the mountaintop with their telescope, their, their telescope focused in, and they see the Lord coming to the place where he's going to dwell with his people. It's a picture of the Lord coming, if you like, to the new creation. And... And if, if that image is of a, of a divine Rambo figure, rippling arms, if you like, what's he got under his arms? He, he hasn't got an AK-47 or a, what do you have, a bazooka or something under your arm. He hasn't got that. What's he got under his arm as you look? Verse 10, second half, see his reward is with him. His recompense accompanies him. Now, what is that reward? Well, next line, I think, clarifies for us. Verse 11, he tends his flock like a shepherd. He gathers the lambs in his arms, carries those close to his heart. He's talking about us. He's talking about the very people who are trusting in the Lord Jesus Christ, the people who have been won through the Lord's death on the cross. Do you see the picture? It's a picture of the people who belong to God being carried to the new creation by this divine Rambo figure. And look, just take a moment to take in the care that this God shows for his people in verse 11. He tends his flock like a shepherd. He cares for them. He gathers the lambs in his arms. He knows our needs. And he gently leads those that have young. He identifies with our individual concerns. Here is a picture of a divine and yet tender Rambo who will not stop until he has brought his people home to heaven. That's the picture. My um, mother organized a uh, work barbecue for um, 
for, for a number of people. This is a few years ago now. I was 12 years old. And uh, I was uh, outside playing. It was the summer. And uh, I was playing football with some of the other boys who were there. And I was having a really great time. I was running rings around the other boys. They were three years old, most of them. And so there I was playing football, running rings around these other boys, really enjoying myself. And then suddenly I fall over on the grass. My hand goes back. I lift it up and it's covered with blood. And uh, there'd been a, a broken bottle under just the surface of the grass and sort of sliced right through my hand. And so my legs turn to jelly. I'm on the floor. This uh, 12-year-old who thought I was so big is now crying in tears. And someone puts their hand on my shoulder and says, uh, don't worry, your mum is coming. And I tell you what, you know, 12-year-old, you think you're, you think you're old, but there's something incredibly comfort, comforting about being told your mum is coming. In fact, I still find today I'm incredibly comforted by being told <laughs> my mum is coming. And the picture of Isaiah chapters 40, chapter 1 to 11, is that someone who loves us far more than our own family do has got us under his arm and is carrying us home. You know, it was a, it was a bizarre situation. My mum found herself in at this uh, party because she couldn't leave. She was in charge of doing this thing. And it was as if her hands were tied. She, she couldn't actually leave and take me home. And yet the picture we've seen is of not only someone who loves us, but someone who, whose hands are never tied, who has everything he needs, the resources that he needs to take us home. So as we finish, let me ask you, where are you looking for help? Where are you looking to for comfort? Globally, as you turn on the, the television, personally, as you, you wake up with those ongoing struggles that don't just go away day by day. Morally, as we struggle with sin, where are you looking? If we look to ourselves, we'll run out of energy, we'll run out of time, we'll run out of money. We are people with limited resources and limited understanding and limited ability. But will you look to the Lord, the Lord who pardons our sin, who promises to deliver, and who protects us his arm? Let's bow heads and pray. See, the Sovereign Lord comes with power. He tends his flock like a shepherd. Loving Heavenly Father, we do thank you for this image of how you promise that you will bring us home and that there is no power in this universe that can stop you from doing so. That the day has come when you have dealt with our sin and the day is coming when you will deal with the sin that is part of the fabric of the world that we live in. And how we pray that you would help to change our hearts from looking to ourselves to, to solve our problems and struggles, to looking to you, one who not only has the resources to do it, but loves us enough to make it happen. And we pray this in Jesus' name.